Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode 34 of Hack to Start. This episode features Jen Bain, the community manager at Cards Against Humanity. Tyler and I wanted to invite Jen onto the show to share how she and the team use humor and seemingly limitless creativity to build such a vibrant community around the game. Cards Against Humanity started as a game between a group of eight friends to help them break the ice at New Year's Eve parties. In 2011, the friends decided to launch a Kickstarter campaign to help them cover the cost for their first version. They met their original funding goal of 4000 in just two weeks and went on to raise over 15000 just under 400% of its original goal. Today, Cards Against Humanity continues to grow in popularity and uses crazy and wacky tactics to keep their biggest fans and community members engaged and on the edge of their seats. Let's get to it. Hey, Jen. Thanks for being on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. We'd like to kick things off by getting to know a bit about yourself. So like where you're from, what did you study, and how did your passion for entrepreneurship develop? Sure, sure. So uh, my name is Jen. I live and work in Chicago. Uh, I studied journalism at Loyola University Chicago, which is uh, up north, up north in the city. And I don't know that I have, that I've ever thought of myself as someone who has passion for entrepreneurship. It's more like I've had and continue to have a passion for writing and comedy and independent thinking. Along those lines of writing and independent thinking and, and humor, uh, you're the community manager at Cards Against Humanity, a, a card yeah. game that, uh, that both Tyler and I love and, and millions of other people around the world. Um, but for those who, who might have some kind of crazy excuse and not know what it is, <laughs> uh, can you tell us a little bit about Cards Against Humanity? Yeah, no, it's okay. People, it's it's becomes new to other people all the time. It's, it's like It's very popular, but... It, but not popular. Yeah, it's surprising how many people know about it, and then it's it also surprises me people who are constantly like, I just played for the first time. Um, so anyway, Cards Against Humanity is a really simple party game. Uh, we bill it as a party game for horrible people because there's some dark humor written into the game. Uh, so. It's it's just a little bit. Uh, how it works is it's really simple to play. Uh, one person reads a black card, and then everyone else playing answers with their funniest white card. Uh, it's a really good uh, starter game for a game night. Uh, or a filler game in between, like your more serious board games. Although all my friends tell me they like to play it for hours straight, which I cannot believe, but that's cool too. <laughs> for sure. And and can you tell us a little bit about the story behind Cards Against Humanity? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm the community manager. So I was not. I'm not a founder of the game, but I can tell you the history, uh, the history of it, how it was made, to the best of my knowledge. Um, it was first created in I think either 2007 or 2008. I can't remember now by uh, eight friends who all grew up together in a suburb of Chicago. And uh, they've been friends for so long, they know each other since preschool, some of them. And they were always coming up with like jokes and stories and games, like any really close group of friends. And then um, it was their, their sophomore year of, co- of college, I think they were all home for a winter break. 
and they were either preparing to attend or host a New Year's Eve party. I can't remember which. And that, you know, they're socially inept nerds. So what they wanted to do was come up with, you know, a way, and I understand this impulse because I love games too, for the same reason, uh, come up with a game that would make, you know, the party more fun, easier to interact with people. Um, and then, yeah, so they, they invented it and put it at the party and people really loved it. Um, and then they made it, uh, like a PD, like they made the card shareable through a PDF to share with, uh, to share with their friends and you know it kind of grew with word of mouth because they all went separate their separate ways off to their separate colleges and kind of brought the game with them and played it with more and more people and then they uh, launched a kickstarter project it was a modestly successful kickstarter project i think they asked for seven thousand dollars and got fourteen or fifteen thousand um, and with that extra money they made uh, i believe they printed better versions of the cards and they made more games and put those on amazon and then the long story short is it's now the best uh, selling toyer game and most wished for uh, toyer game on Amazon. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's an awesome kind of success story, and I think we'll get yeah. into the Kickstarter campaign a little bit more later on, and some of the other campaigns you guys run all the time. But sure. I, I'm wondering, so how has the business side of it, you know, grown over the years? How do you turn a card game into a business? How did Cards Against Humanity get its first official customers? Right, right. Well, you know, I have no idea how a person turns a card game into a business because I've never done it. And Cards Against Humanity has only only has customers now accidentally or incidentally. Uh, the game at no point I think were the creators like, how many people can we get to buy this thing? Like that has never been their focus, which, which I think is leads to, you know, their success now. Um, it's why they the game is still and always probably always will be available for free on our website. You can download it as a PDF and print it out. Um, but yeah, the fact that it, it now has such a following was purely accidental. And it was originally simply a PDF that friends shared around and word of mouth was huge. And I, if you ask any of the cards guys, they will sound just as amazed as you do, <laughs> if not more so. For sure. So you guys, you guys, how big is the team right now? Oh, so it was uh, the eight original creators. And then I was their first employee hired and I was hired almost two years ago now. And then from there, we've grown to I think what is it now 15 people total <laughs> we've got a few independent contractors in there yeah um, but yeah we're about 15 16 people total um, we're we're a small group uh, yeah we're a small team so so how do you guys you know manage to come up with so many funny and creative things man I don't know <laughs> you know it's not like we sit down and, or every week and we're like what funny thing can we do now it's more like we uh we kind of have an environment in our office that sort of fosters playfulness, silliness, and creativity. We have an office in Chicago that uh, it's not just a Cards Against Humanity office, which I think is its strength. We have a co-working space here. So it's like Cards Against Humanity, we have desks, but it, we also, like other people have desks there too, like writers and developers, de designers, other game designers. And it's so important that we're not thinking about Cards Against Humanity 24-7. Like we're thinking about cool, funny things together that we can maybe tie back to cards in a way that's interesting. Cool. And and so Tyler and I are both, you know, based in Canada. Um, and and cool. we've played with the Canadian expansion pack. So I'm curious, who came up with the content for that? Did you guys outsource yeah. that? Or did yeah, you open up some bit. big book of Canada? Or like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you'd be surprised how much we rely on Wikipedia for stuff like that. Um, so 
there there actually isn't a card a Canadian expansion pack anymore. There's just a Canadian version of the main game, which is basically the same thing. We just took that expansion and just like stuffed it into the main game. Okay. So yeah, you guys have like an old the school legacy, version. So, yeah. Yeah, you guys have an old school version. Yeah, good for you. Um, so what we did, and I think this is before my time now. We asked our Canadian friends what was funny. And showed them some cards and noted which ones they laughed at. And I definitely don't understand any of the references, but I'm glad you guys like it. <laughs> you just stand outside Tim Hortons for a couple of hours. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. So oh, so man. beneath kind of all those jokes, um, you know, there's a real passion and, and value for the brand and the product. So what are some of the values you guys have at Cards Against Humanity? And how do you That's convey it. that into, into uh, you know, everything you do, especially the community? Yeah, that's a great question. So what I like most... And what continues to be surprising to me about Cards Against Humanity is how it teaches people concepts and ideas. And I know you wouldn't expect that from a game that's so silly and ridiculous, but uh, but hear me out. <laughs> so, like one time we were playtesting the game, we were experimenting cards uh, with people that hadn't played before, and I was like noting their reactions. And someone uh, asked me what the card heteronormativity meant, <laughs> and I was like, I am so excited to tell you, <laughs> like. Get out your computer. Let's do some research. And uh, another time someone told me they had never heard of the concept of white privilege until it was in Cards Against Humanity. And I don't know if that's happy or sad to me, <laughs> to be honest. Seriously? But I, yeah, but I was happy. I was. It was a really great moment for me to see someone using humor as a way to learn. And uh, as the game has evolved, we've you know, we've all grown up with the game a little bit, or certainly the guys have. They were very young when they made it. And uh, it's now a focus of Cards Against Humanity to uh, write comedy that punches up instead of down for sure and and that's definitely uh something i've experienced myself having to explain a few different terms to uh future parents-in-laws oh and, yeah and, and those kind it's of situ- it's it's made for some awkward yeah. situations <laughs> over the over the various holidays see i prefer to call them teachable moments <laughs> teachable. <but> sure <laughs> i was uh actually so i, I got back from a, a trip to mexico a couple weeks ago and we brought cards against humanity with us to play at the resort and uh i don't know some 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 older lady just walks up behind us as we're playing uh, a whole bunch of us and just says oh are you learning some new words oh my god <laughs> and i was way. like uh yeah actually <laughs> that's amazing that's great so how do you approach you know building a community of cards against humanity you've been there for kind of two years so what's changed as the game has become more mainstream compared to when you first started oh man if i had to point to one thing that is different than the day i started it's the amount of emails we get <laughs> We get so many emails now, and you know that's a wonderful problem to have. So I'm not complaining, but um, you know we're an online business, so it means a lot of our community is built online, which is great because nerdy people like Cards Against Humanity. Nerdy people spend a lot of time online, so it, it works out. Um, so as the community manager, one thing I, I handle is our customer service, and customer service is not just a tool to like fix people's like order issues. It's also a tool to you know, build a community and we use customer service as an opportunity to make people laugh. Um, just an example, like we get emails all the time of people are like, Hey, I ordered your game and then it never arrived. And instead of saying, you know, I'm sorry to hear that we might say, sorry, we fucked up. And people are so surprised and delighted in the way that we handle our customer service. You know, we're, we're professional and that well, of course we'll fix their problems, but if there's an opportunity to be playful and make a joke, then we'll do it. Absolutely. And I've actually uh, sat there laughing. I remember one time I came across the, so you guys use Tumblr, I guess, as, as a yeah, blog. Yeah. And uh, I happened to click on, you know, the tagged uh, customer service oh, hashtag just to kind of see what was in there. And I read through some of the emails and I literally <laughs> started laughing like for half oh, an hour great. straight, just reading customer service emails. 
That makes me so happy. Is there one particular story that, that stands out for you? Oh, let me think. Yeah, there are a couple. So there are, there's opportunities to make people, we try to make people stay with, the, with, this, with this humor. So like one time when I first started working here, I remember someone emailed, emailed us and said that their dog, their new puppy had chewed up their game. So I sent them a new game and I also sent them a dog toy. And like, <laughs> I thought that was cute. But uh, there's on the other side of that, uh, we had an opportunity, and I'm not responsible for this email. Uh, someone who works with me, uh, a woman named Claire, answered this email, and it's so brilliant that I have to tell you about it. I'm so proud of her for this. So someone emailed us and asked, um, "Can you please send me a free game to Australia?" And like he was, this person was trying to be funny, and they were like, "My girlfriend is fat, and she could use, she could stand to lose some weight, and I bet laughing at Cards Against Humanity would help her lose weight." Like it was like a real, like a strung out joke. And Claire responded, <laughs> I'm laughing just thinking about it, Claire responded, she could probably lose some kilos, because you know it's Australia, you could your girlfriend could probably lose some kilos by dumping her boyfriend who calls her fat to get free shit. <laughs> I was like, that is such a good burn. <laughs> and like, that person deserved it. <laughs> Absolutely. I think there's a site that keeps track of the best burns on the internet, we should, we should add that one. <laughs> um, really? Oh man, I totally will. <laughs> That's so good. So I think it started in 2013, but please correct me. Um, Cards Against Humanity started an annual holiday e-commerce campaign that says what we're all thinking, but ended up generating some really funny outcomes. Where did the idea come from? Okay, so in 2012, uh, the before long before I was hired, the guys uh, came up with a pay for you want, pay what you want pack, so you could pay whatever you wanted, uh, what you what you thought a value, what you thought. Uh, getting a Cards Against Humanity pack would be worth. And it was like a set of like, I can't remember now, 30 cards. So people could pay $1, they could pay, suggested donation was I think $5, and then maybe $10 was like the most people spend. I don't have the data on hand, but it was something, it was really interesting data. And they ended up giving, getting $70,000 in profit, and they donated all the profit to the Wikimedia Foundation. And then that was a really successful campaign. It got some interest, some press and stirred up some interest. So every year since then, they've tried to top that. So you're right that in 2013, uh, they started, uh, we, we started, I was there for this. <laughs> we launched uh, 12 Days of Holiday Bullshit. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, we offered 100,000 slots for people to pay $12, and they would get 12 gifts in the mail. Um, I'm trying to think of what gifts we sent people. Uh, they were, they were, we sent some packs of cards. Uh, we, sent a com we sent a zine of all of our favorite comic artists. We commissioned artists to do to write some stuff for us. And it was really great. I mean, it had a, it was our first time doing anything that big and it was like, it was insanely like a logistical mess as you can imagine sending 12 gifts to a hundred thousand people over the month of December, which is the biggest, biggest, busiest mail day of the year, uh, mail month of the year. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and we, I remember one thing we regret that <laughs> was not paying enough to like upgrade our postage. So the gifts took forever to arrive. <laughs> so they were supposed to arrive throughout the month of December, and a lot of people got like all of them on the same day at the end of the month, or a lot of them arrived in January. Um, so that was like a learning experience. But other than that, it was like so successful. We had so much fun. People really loved the gifts. We were worried about that. Um, it stirred up some good press too. And it, um, mm -hmm. and again, we donated uh, we donated the money to uh, donors shoes. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have the link to, uh, I saw a recap online somewhere, so we'll have the link included with the episode. Um, but were all the gifts, you know, the same for the for all 100,000 people? Or did, did you throw some oddballs in there? 
Oh yeah. So the gifts were all the same, but um, what we did just for kind of a fun experiment was when people signed up to subscribe for it, we asked them like, you know, what's something on your wish list or what would you like to receive from Santa this year? And one, it's interesting to read the responses. And two, um, we've sent people some of those things and it really <laughs> shocked them. And it was, it was great. We just sent it to them on Amazon and we said like from Cards Against Humanity. And uh, it was just a fun, like, it was like getting a gift that falls from the sky. And I think that was that was probably exciting for some people. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I had found uh, from some of the notes online there that, that like one guy got a trillion Zimbabwe dollars. Somebody <laughs> else got fresh socks. Somebody else got Space Jam Space on VHS. Jam. Yeah. 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 I think yeah, it's hilarious. Here's a VHS tape. <laughs> Especially so, Space Jam. That's yeah, so, so good. So useless. <laughs> so in 2014, um, it was the 10 days of Kwanzaa or whatever that saw right. over 250,000 people pay $15 for more random stuff. Um, what was that campaign about and why did you guys choose to do that? So again, we had to top last year's uh, holiday extravaganza. Um, so it's a lot, it was like the year before where we opened up slots and people could sign up. And it was always an interesting experience because, you know, people are giving us the money without knowing what they're getting. So, you know, they were kind of entrusting us when we shouldn't be trusted. But <laughs> we sent them some stu- some awesome stuff. We sent them, um, again, we sent them another comic zine that we curated uh, some good artists, some amazing artists for. Uh, we sent them some more Cards Against Humanity packs, uh, specially written for them. Uh, I'm looking at the website right now because I can't remember what we sent. <laughs> it was a really busy month. Oh, we sent, um, we sent, uh, have you guys ever heard of Miracle Berries? Nope. They, no, they're uh, they're uh, they're like these little tablets um, that you like put on your tongue, and they do this crazy weird science thing, <laughs> where they uh, make all things that normally taste sour taste sweet. So you can like eat an entire lemon, and it's like eating candy. No way. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. I'll send you guys some. <laughs> we have a lot left over in the office. So uh, yeah, so there we sent those out, and we were like, I hope people don't think we're like sending them weird drugs in the mail. But that seemed to be that seemed to be a popular <laughs> gift. People really like that. Um, and then the, the big thing we did is for the 10th, the 10th day gift, we sent everyone, uh, a deed to own a square foot of a private Island, <laughs> which is, sounds so funny when I say it out loud. Wow. sounds even weirder when I, when I say it like that, but yeah, we bought a private Island and we parceled it up into one, 250,000 square feet and we gave everyone, uh, a lease to own that square foot. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, pretty ridiculous. You can imagine it was another logistical mess, but it was in pretty much every way successful. I think people really seemed to enjoy it. We were so happy that people liked their gifts. I wouldn't even know where to start, you know, looking to, to buy an island, I guess. Oh, just Google. That's just Google? It's easy? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's what we did. How do we buy a private island? It's actually surprisingly straightforward. <laughs> yeah, like weirdly straightforward. Like, shouldn't this be a little more difficult? But no, it's not. Seriously, just build your own little country somewhere in the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah why not? So, I mean, besides auctioning off or, or parceling off deeds to to an island uh you know cards against humanity is known for some some pretty other crazy stunts things like raising prices on black friday when everyone else is dropping them and actually seeing an increase in sales so why does the community kind of rally behind that kind of thing yeah that's a good question so black friday is terrible and everyone knows it and there's no avoiding it so like avoiding or hiding from black friday is like hiding from a tornado like you just can't and the only way we wanted to participate in something like that is to like not participate. So uh, like 
this year we shut down our entire store and we sold poop instead. <laughs> <laughs> and like the year before, as you said, we raised our prices by Black by five dollars on Black Friday. And I think people understand that and like seeing the truth and humor of a day that's so ridiculous and dominated by consumerism. And plus, who doesn't like poop jokes? <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm glad you brought up this year's campaign with the with the box of bullshit, right. uh, because it was literally like a box of bullshit. And the ad clearly said, like everywhere, clearly everywhere. said it was going to be poop. Uh, and people seemed genuinely shocked to receive poop I in the mail. Know. So. How did the team settle on this concept, and aren't there a few postal laws that kind of prohibit this kind of well, thing? Well, there might be, but we haven't gotten in trouble yet, so I think we're okay. We're still waiting for still to waiting see what happens. <laughs> no, but things seem fine. So uh, I don't know where that idea first started. I mean, it was probably something someone stupid said in passing. We should send poop to everybody, and probably someone else was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and then they probably jumped on Google. Um, to find where you could buy it. <laughs> yeah, we bought it from a farmer... In I think Texas, I can't remember where. Yeah, Texas go. or Montana, and it wasn't. Is my understanding is it wasn't illegal to send it because it was like manure, and uh, I know you guys probably don't have it because you're in Canada, right? So we couldn't send any poop to you. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> the border <laughs> is good for something. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> to keep the poop out. <laughs> um, but it like it didn't even smell bad, really. Like you opened the the box. We we designed this really beautiful box, like you're opening jewelry, which is really funny to me. And then um, you opened it, and it actually looked more like dirt. Like it wasn't. I think people were expecting wet poop in the mail, but it was dried, and it, it just looked like dirt. And this is the most I've ever talked about poop in an interview before. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I think I think this is the first for all of us. But yeah. hey, it's awesome. Um, so, so there's also a, a, a secret card inside the bigger black box. Um, yeah. I don't know if everyone's found it yet. I found about it through, I think I saw it on Reddit or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah. And then went home to <laughs> cut open the lid. Um, oh, sorry. No, I said, oh, that's great. I'm glad you found it. Yeah. So I was going to say, so, I mean, beyond the obvious joke of the card inside the box, because it's the cards reads the bigger, blacker dick inside the bigger, blacker box. Um, what prompted Cards Against Humanity to kind of create the secret card? And, and do you, did you guys find out who the first person to find it was? So uh, how it happened was um, we have some data on, uh, actually, you guys can check this out at some time if you like. It's cardsagainsthumanity.com slash lab. And it's like kind of playing Cards Against Humanity online by yourself. And we keep that data and we were we had some data backlogged that told us the most popular card was uh, far and away, like more popular than any other card was a big black dick. <laughs> and then the second most popular card, far, also far and away, was a bigger blacker dick. So we're like, okay, everyone knows that we have to write the biggest blackest dick. And, you know, the, the cards were in succession, like a big black dick was in the first expansion, and then the next one was in the second expansion, and everyone expected it to be, like, in the third expansion, so we didn't do that. <laughs> we put it, we hid it instead in the bigger blacker box, and then you saw the card, you know that it's, like, really shiny on, like, this beautiful foil print. It was awesome. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I, I mispronounced the, the name of the card. You're right. It, it was the biggest. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's okay. <laughs> I didn't even notice. <laughs> um, yeah, so what's next for Cards Against Humanity in 2015? Uh, are we going to be seeing more expansion packs? Because there seems to be a few more popping up here and there. Yeah, I mean, we're always working on new stuff. Um, I'm not at liberty to say exactly what we're working on, but you'll be seeing something new from us very, very, very soon. Very soon. And you should, yeah, very soon. And as possible, spending on 
depending on when this podcast airs. So <laughs> this might be old news. Um, but anyway, regardless, you should sign up for updates at cardsagainst20.com because we, we tell our mailing list uh, first what's going on. So you currently co-host your podcast called Friendshipping with the Cards Against Humanity bro worker, Trin. What is Friendshipping about and why did you decide to start it? Yeah, so uh, Trin is the events manager of Cards Against Humanity and she was the second employee hired and um, I can't really say enough good things about her. I could probably gush for the next 20 minutes about how amazing and awesome she is and she's a great friend and I love working with her. We have desks that are right next to each other and we spend all day talking. <laughs> we need, so sometimes I need to like go away to get work done because otherwise I just want to bother Trin all day. But anyway, um, we, she and I spend a lot of time thought, uh, thinking and talking about uh, friendship, especially friendship between women. And one day we were like, why don't we just do it into a microphone? Um, so yeah, and we have a, we're lucky enough to have a, a great podcast studio in our office. So we created Friendshipping, which is, uh, it's mostly just a discussion about friendship, uh, particularly between adult women. And we try to like, uh, answer tricky questions, uh, like how do I end a toxic friendship? That kind of thing. And we, we accept questions. Uh, we, we accept questions online and we answer them and try to give advice and you should listen to it. If only because of our theme song, we hired, uh, <laughs> Mally Lewis, who's amazing, to write us a jingle, and it's so good. It'll, it'll blow your mind. It's so good. So what do you guys like about podcasting so far? Uh, what I like about podcasting is it gives me like 20 minutes to just sit down and like hang out with Trin, because <laughs> why not? <laughs> That's amazing. it, to be honest. And she's, she's really easy to talk to, so it kind of feels like we're just hanging out, but we happen to be doing it into a microphone. And uh, it's, it's, not like, it's not like a podcast where I need to feel like I need to prepare for it. It's kind of like I sit down, and then we just talk back and forth. And I feel like I'm learning a lot from it. Not only about like how to make a podcast or how to, you know, use all this fancy equipment, but I'm also like learning like how to talk about my feelings. <laughs> so, what are some of the tools that you guys um, use for podcasting? You had mentioned that you guys have a studio internally. Yeah. Um, so, what does that consist of, and do you actually do the the splicing of the audio afterwards? Yeah. Um. So you are asking the wrong person. Trin edits the edits the podcast, and she's great at it. And I think she uses. Uh, is it on? Audacity? I don't know. Um, anyway, so but the I'm not familiar with the fancy tools. I, I'm learning more and more, which is uh, which is also great. Um, the biggest uh, thing I learned actually, and I, I'm going to plug someone we work with here. Uh, we've been using the tool called Simplecast. It's Simplecast Simplecast.fm, and uh, it's created by one of the cards developers named John. And he, it's this amazing tool that basically lets you publish your podcast online. It even like lets you embed the audio on on your site, and it's so easy. And it like it's like idiot proof. Like even I figured it out. So that's that's definitely been my favorite tool so far. It's awesome. And and uh, so earlier you mentioned that your passions were like writing and and humor. Um, you know, so if you weren't you know working at Cards Against Humanity, what do you think you'd be doing right now? Oh. What a question. I have no idea what I would be doing. I really feel like I'm doing what I'm meant to do. That's awesome. That's a, that's a legitimate answer. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. So what apps, books, devices, or tools are you obsessed with right now? Uh, I'm obsessed. I'm going through a phase right now where I'm obsessed with comics. Um, I'm a couple years behind, and then I just started reading uh, Saga. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it's an amazing comic, and it's like blown up. And it was probably the most popular comic last year or 2013. Um, and it's it's wonderful. I'm also reading another comic called uh, This One Summer, or is it That One Summer? I can't remember. I just started it, but it's wonderful too. 
Um, and the other thing I'm completely obsessed with right now is this game called Killer Queen. <laughs> it's an arcade game that uh, five people, uh, it's five. It's a five on five game, so it's this huge group activity. And we have, uh, we're fortunate enough to have a system, like an art, it's like an arcade game. We have the arcade set up in our office and like productivity is like shot. <laughs> so if you never hear from Cards Against Humanity again, you can play in this game. You're at the arcade <laughs> machine. <laughs> yeah, that's, we're all there all the time. <laughs> Nice. Can you get it over stream or something like that? Oh man, that would be so cool. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, it's it's literally like set up like an arcade game, which yeah. I haven't played in like years, like since I was a kid, and I can't get enough of this game. Okay, interesting. I'll have to look into it. I don't know. We have an arcade machine at work, and I've seen a few people play with it and stuff like that. But anyway, and, and I know nice. our machine. I think we hacked it so we can basically run stream games on it uh, somehow. So anyway. oh, that is so cool. Yeah, little uh, little special. Um, so do you have any last thoughts or personal mottos that you live by that you think others should kind of know about? Personal mottos. I am not cool enough to have a personal <laughs> motto. I'm too young to ask me. Will you podcast again with me in a couple of years? For and sure. Maybe then I'll we'll, have a motto. Okay. We'll, we'll follow up on that one. <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> All right. Well, really appreciate your time today. Today, Jen, uh, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Hack to Start and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind the scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening and see you next time.